0: Ah, sorry, excuse me. Hello
1: Internet. Hello Internet. Hello. <laughs> this one here, Scott. No one oh, no. I think it's that one. Oh no, yeah, no, it's uh, that it's one there.
2: It's struggling with the complexities of um of oh, skak- right. Skype full screen. There we go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look we have a full we have our full screen experience there. Uh, th- this is the audio podcast. We're we're doing everything the wrong way round today because we actually have our first ever um live interview rather than pre-recorded stuff which we're really excited about really excited about i think this will be fun hello paul hi cool uh, paul is um the lead on the Ardour project is that the correct way to to phrase it or
3: i think that's correct enough yeah fair,
1: <laughs> fair enough cool and uh, from the Ardour project which um we talk about open source uh, projects quite a lot we we take the mick out of various door manufacturers all the time for fun um, and we, we thought ourselves it'd be great to get you guys on as well to have a have a chat about what our door is and what it kind of offers people and that kind of stuff, so. And um, when we did our survey, you remember when we did the survey like 20 weeks ago or something mm-hmm. like that, our door came up a couple of times in our responses, so. We were like, well, we should... Twice, definitely. that sounds good. <laughs> Twice out of how many? Uh, I don't... We, we well, it, it wasn't a massive number, but it was... I think this is the
2: first time we've mentioned the results, put it that way. We did. We put it out there as a thing, and we didn't actually make a big deal about oh, counting results, no. the results at any point, did we? So
1: we <laughs> <laughs> watched them coming in and then said, oh, okay. So first of all, um, to th- for people who are normally... um For our normal listeners, today's show is actually being recorded on our door, um, For the people who really enjoy true geekiness, it's actually being recorded on a G4 800 megahertz eMac, which I've acquired, um, which is actually the same age as the 828 Mark II, which is still running, which is still running on it. So we're running a kind of we're rocking vintage hardware here (laughs) just for fun. Um, So let's hope it all works. I think it will do. It tested out fine, so I thought it'd be a fun thing to do. There's no reason for it not to. No, it's worked for 10 years. It should continue working. (laughs) I think the uh, flight case might buckle under the weight of the EMAC, though. That could be the immediate problem. No, I no don't think so. So, um, could you say how did the? Um, sorry, Paul. <laughs> We're just chatting away from money. So, Paul, um, fine. <laughs> how did the um, Ardour project get started? Well, it started. Um,
3: I, I suppose that, that there's a little preamble to it, which is how I got involved in sort of audio and MIDI programming at all. Um, I had sort of given up programming as, as as a career shortly after my daughter was born and began to get involved in finding some new hobbies as she started going a little bit older and one of those is messing around with electronic music and all that kind of stuff and rapidly realized that the software tools that I actually wanted did, did not really exist and even as I started creating those I realized that there was this basic thing that if I was actually going to make any music I would have to record it and... It seemed kind of obvious in 1998, 1999, I guess, that you would record it onto the hard disk of a computer. Um, I'm not a Windows user, and never have been, and I can't remember exactly what my issues were with Apple at that time, but I've been using Linux uh, for a while and Unix for even longer, and it seems sensible, well, okay, I'm a programmer, so I'll just write my own tool for doing this. so sometime around the end of 1999, I guess RME had just bought out the first of the Hammerfall series of audio interfaces, and I remember seeing that, thinking, "Ooh, 26 channels in and 26 channels out—that sounds really cool. I have to write something that can use that." So at the very end of 1999, I started—I switched away from the other audio and midi stuff I had been doing and decided to write a sort of a hard disk recorder, um, and. Sh- that wasn't very hard to do. I think probably within two or three months, I had a working 24-channel hard disk recorder. Um, what became ve- very clear soon after that was that having a hard disk recorder in and of itself is not all that useful. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some people still like such things, but uh, you know, when you can just record stuff and play it back, I didn't find it very useful. So we, need an, we needed to add some editing capabilities to the program. Um, it's probably started late in two thousand, and had I known then what I know now about how much work that would have involved, I probably would not have started. Sure. Um, but I I did start, and so the last you know nine to ten years have been basically the story of the continued evolution of the project and the program. Uh,
0: are there are there things now that you were that, that you were looking at dealing with then that you that you think um, has it changed has has your focus on what order is trying to do changed since when you originally started um,
3: i don't think that the actual functionality or the, my vision of the functionality has changed a lot i mean you know to be perfectly honest you know most of what we do is based on the notion that most digital workstations are are a commodity now yeah um they, they all do pretty much exactly the same set of things if you do those things then you're potentially in the game And if you don't do them, then you're not in the game, probably. Um, So the sort of full set of functionality is, as I suspect it is, for Steinberg and Ableton and, you know, Motu and those guys is basically the the union of what everybody else is doing. That's where we're headed for. Plus, if we can invent a couple of new things, that would be nice too. Um, I think what has changed over time is an understanding of... Uh, I think the most fundamental things are that a nobody is ever going to write one of these pieces of software and make everybody happy. No, of course. Um, yeah. You know, w- w- we get people using Otter who will say, "Oh my God, this pro th- this program is just awesome." I used to use Logic. I used to use Pro Tools. It's so much easier to use. I love the workflow. And we'll have people using it who are just saying, you know, "I tried to use this and it's 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 just a piece of crap. I I, I can't do anything <laughs> with it. I don't I don't I understand how to make it work." And I think, you know, five, six years ago, I would see both of those things and think, well, obviously, there's a gap we have to close there. What, what can we do to make that second person really happy with what Arda does? And I think well, what I've realized in the last five, six years or so is that that isn't feasible. Uh, whatever approach we're taking to um, the implementation and design of a digital workstation, that's the approach that we're taking. And some people love it. And and really like working with it, and some people don't like it at all. Yeah. Um. And you know, I I would I think there's something inside of me that would love to say, oh, I'm sure there's something we can do that that will make this perfect for everyone. But I I think time has indicated that that's not really that sensible. Um, well, it's interesting. I think the other thing, you know, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was done. I was just going to
0: say, just really echoing what you're saying, that I think you, you could look at five, ten years ago at uh, at different DAWs and say, well, this is good at that or that is good at the other. But it seems like over the last few years, they've all been pushing more and more at trying to be as good as each other at everything. It seems to be a, a losing battle. Maybe it makes more sense to, to kind of carve a niche out for being good at one particular thing.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think as I said, th- there's clearly a set of functionality, and, and that set has expanded over time. I mean, you know, ten years ago, I don't think anyone was doing time stretch in a Door. Obviously, now if you don't do time stretch, that there's a large body of people who wouldn't even consider it usable. Um, but I think, uh, I mean, w- one of the other things that I think has has been true of odder is that when I started it, I was really coming at it uh, very much from a programming, computer science end of things. Yeah. And I think I was a little dismissive of uh, what somebody I know has called, sort of called the language of audio. And in fact, the very early versions of the software made, made a very definite and deliberate attempt to move away from a lot of the, of the traditional language associated with audio gear. Right. Because at the time I was arrogant and I thought, well, you know, these people are all stuck in hardware land. They don't understand that there's no <laughs> limitations anymore. It's software, we can do anything. Um, and it's turned out again as, as time has gone on that, you know, there's a very good reason why the traditional components of a, of a mixing console are called, uh, have all the names that they have, why things that we call aux buses are called aux buses and, and they have a very specific function. And, um, you know, I regret that it's taken so long for me to learn that we really need to pay attention to that language. Um, Although we can augment it and extend it in a few areas. Yeah. um, You know, there's really good reasons for doing things very similarly to the way that hardware consoles are done, except where you can do something much better in software. Yeah, of
2: course. Do you think that those reasons are to do with the user's perception of what's possible and how things work more than technical ones, or? Um, I don't know, my own feeling is that uh, most users are relative, relatively conservative
3: in their workflows and stuff. If they've already learned that, that you know this is generally how you do recordings, this is generally how you do mixes, they won't go looking around for very different kinds of approaches to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think if you look at the history of Ableton Live, um, which actually started um, somewhat embarrassingly at about the same time as Arda. Okay. And now employs, I don't know, 70 to 100 people and is a worldwide success. Well, I'm still stuck here in my backyard office. Um, but no, I mean, Ableton Life started around about the same time. And, you know, initially, the guys who were working on that really had a very different concept of, of the workflow. Yeah. Um. Some people even thought they weren't interested in making an actual door. Yeah. And one of the results of that is lots of people – I think, even to this day, don't really think of Ableton Live as a traditional DAW. They see it more as a tool for doing live performance and looping and all that kind of stuff. Um, In reality, the engine inside Ableton can do anything that you could do with Ardor or Pro Tools or or, or Nuendo, but it's been presented in in a way that is very different. Uh, And I think a lot of people, not everyone, but people who had prior experience, would look at that and just say, well, how would you use this like a mm. yeah. Uh You've now got a new generation of people who've been using it, you know, for, I don't know, the last five, eight, nine years or so. Um, they, they've they grown up using it, and now, you know, when you suggest to them, you might want to flip back to using something more like Pro Tools. They're like, well, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I do think that users, you know, pre, pre-form conceptions and their workflows and stuff tend to alter what they think the right way to do things is um i also think in terms of user interfaces um that expectation gets even stronger s- sometimes i mean you know we have more ar- many more arguments in the audio community a- about what user interfaces should look like
2: absolutely than
0: internal functionality yep. Uh I, I can completely relate to that i mean when i started using DAWs and doing digital recording i was i was using ableton i think i had ableton three possibly even ableton two and i recorded a couple of albums and that and even then found it problematic as a daw because Mm -hmm. it just, from workflow things. You know, it worked fine, but I kept making mistakes. I kept doing stupid things. And even these days, when I teach stuff, I teach a lot of logic to kids in the university. And I get kids coming in from Ableton and from Cubase and from Nuendo. And they just have so much trouble just getting into the workflow of using a different DAW even though everything they're looking at is the same in terms of functionality right. it workflow and surface and interface makes such a difference
2: but it can go that can go out of the way if someone if you if you learn a particular platform a, yep. a particular way of doing things then if you get on with that going to try to use something else is difficult, and you say that's terrible. It's uh, there are people who say it's rubbish. But then, if you, you say stick with lo- if you're using logic, but you don't really like it, and then you try door or something else, and then suddenly things click where they didn't before, then then that's where you get the converts, and that's where you have people saying this is great. So it right. can go it can go both ways. You know, yeah, you, sure. you can, it's not necessarily the first thing that you learn; it's the first thing that that clicks and makes sense for you. It's can I ask, do you feel you have do you have to
0: sell, sell is the wrong word, convince people to migrate from other doors to order? Do, do you feel that's something that you have to actively do? Or do you feel you can just put the software out there and
3: let word of mouth and people? Um, I think it depends on how you want to look at it. I mean, if, if I want the program and the project to be more successful than it is right now, uh, I probably do need to do that. Um, I'm not that interested in doing that. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah, think I'm a very good marketer. That. I don't think I'm a very good marketer. I'm a very good pro- programmer. I, I can certainly talk about my work quite a lot, but that's not marketing. I mean, it may be a component of it, but it's not actually good marketing. But I think, in general, I mean, I'm pretty happy letting people find out about it. Um, I mean, I have two two quick stories I, I can tell about this mm-hmm. as to illustrate the. Uh, the type of thing I love to hear. Uh, my daughter turned 16 last year and her mother took her to Paris for her birthday. We live in the United States, for those of you who are listening. It's quite a big trip. And they lost her passport along the way and there was a bunch of machinations going on to try to get some documents over to her so they could go to the embassy and get a new passport. And they went downstairs to talk to the clerk on the front desk and gave him a web URL where I had uploaded some some scans of old passports and stuff. And he looked at the URL and said, well, what is this with Ardor? I mean, how, why are you using this website? <laughs> and, you know, m- my daughter at 2 a.m. in the morning says, well, it's, it's my dad's website. He goes, we use Ardor in my band all the time.
0: <laughs> hey! <laughs> That's great.
3: Um, you know, some, some random guy in a French hotel desk, you know, and his ba- I don't even know what kind of music his band plays, so they use it all the time. And then I, I just got an email today from a friend of mine who's, in, who's working on a movie in Brazil right now on the history of Bossa and he was talking to a guy there who's one of the best uh, Pan- Pandero players in the world mm. and noticed that they were using Otter. And said, you know, so you use Otter? He goes, oh, the old, you know, my engineer, there's a whole bunch of engineers down here who know, who won't use anything else. Yeah. Um, I, I, I hear Brazil they, is
0: really, really good for that as well. Yeah.
3: And when, when they heard that my friend was there and he knew he knew the guy that created this, they all wanted to come over and meet him as an like instant celebrity. <laughs> so, you know, I, I like these stories. And to me... I mean, we don't have a big marketing budget. We're not going to be advertising in the magazines. Yeah. Um, we're not going to be showing up at the big trade shows when we stands and stuff. Um, I'm really happy to allow this like, slow permeation that happens. Admittedly, it starts mostly with people that have no money, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, sure. And eventually, it turns out they've been using it for four or five years, and somebody says, well, you, why don't you use one of the proprietary tools? And they say no. Um, so I, I'm reasonably happy w- with that sort of
2: slow steady st- growth. Yeah. And going back to something you said a bit earlier about people um, in the community talking about interface designs more than stuff that's going on under the hood, as it were. The fact that that is happening and that you as the main programmer see that and are paying attention to that is something which our door and open source projects in general can offer, which commercial things don't in quite the same way.
3: Yeah, I, mean, I think in not quite the same way, although I would say that one of the other things I've learned over the years of working on this project, um, I think sometimes it's easy to overestimate the difference between the open source and proprietary development pathways. Okay. Yeah. Um. You know, as a, the most uh, odd con- congruence of this I, I can give is I was actually vi- visiting Ableton at one point a couple of years ago, and I... That the guy I was meeting there, one of the founders of the company was coming out of a meeting, but it went on for a little bit too long, and he came out and sort of apologized. Well, we, we, were, we were having a discussion about blah, 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 and I sort of started laughing, and he said, well, why are you laughing? And I said, well, I was just on IRC talking to, to our guys about exactly the same topic. <laughs> um, and I think that although, yeah, it's true that I am more visible to the user community than, say, any of the engineers who are inside of, of Ableton, Yeah. Um, I don't know how much that changes the, the, the development process itself. It might change how users feel about it. They might think it's really cool that they can talk to me. Um, I don't think it actually alters very much about how things flow along. I, I, I think the guys inside of Ableton and at Motu and elsewhere, they get all that stuff. Yeah, They, they don't actually spend their time online chatting straight to users. Yeah, yeah, that's sure. That makes sense. Uh, On the other hand, that also means I, well, I don't know, should I say waste? I mean, uh, if there's use, (laughs) if there are any users listening, no, 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 I'm not wasting my time (laughs) online with you guys, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I I do spend an awful lot of of time online with that. I still tend to feel it's an incredibly valuable way to get feedback from the program. Yeah. Um, The one thing I suspect that the engineers inside of of the proprietary door companies don't get is a lot of, you know, I'm a first-time user and I just tried this. Right. Yeah. Um, I still hear that stuff all the time. And although I admit that you know, after this many years, it gets a little bit tedious so- sometimes to hear somebody running into the same problem. It's still like a, a a kick or a prod to me, and to say, yeah, you know, we still haven't really done that right. Mm. Yeah, of course. Um, we've got this big community of users. They know how they know how, how to go about doing that. But here's this guy that just showed up, and he got it wrong, just like. You know, those people last month and the, and the people the month before that. Yeah. So I tend to find that level of interaction with, with the community re- really helpful. Uh, but as I said, how much it really changes the overall process of development, I'm not, I'm not sure it does.
0: Can I ask about the user community itself? I mean, I'm, a, I, I'm sure it must span a, a wide range of experience and probably developer experience as well. How much, I mean, obviously you have a lot of interaction with the community, but how much does that feed
3: into the, the development process? Um, I th- but, I think it feeds in a lot. Um, I mean, you know, I, I have I have a very direct financial r- relationship with those people who do support me f- financially. Uh, I think that probably has more m- more of a direct impact on what I do and and what the priorities are than perhaps it might do in some other sorts of, of t- development scenarios. Um, I I try to not let myself be shaped. You know, by precisely what you know, so, so somebody who's a- actively financially supporting the work right. says they think should be done. I mean, I I have to balance up lots and lots of things, um, but there is a lot of feedback from people on um, what should be you know what should be current priorities. Uh, we'll tend to get lots of very useful feedback on on what the really obvious bugs are and things. Yeah, uh, of course, we'll tend to get. Very good discussions going on on our on our IRC channel about uh, whether we should do things this way or that way, or you know, so, so somebody will will pop up with a a completely different idea that, that hadn't been considered yet. And so the user community is a really valuable source of, of, of ideas um, and motivation and priorities. But I try to not let them actually run the thing, of course. their their inputs into a process. Um, and sometimes it's a little frustrating but a, a, a bit, because I think things can grind to a point where the user community doesn't really see a whole lot happening.
0: Yeah, that makes um, perfect sense. And I, and I guess when there are certain aspects that large chunks of the user community are arguing back and forth about, there's there's no progression there. It's just a case of right. difference of
3: opinions, and you just have to choose right. which way to go. That's right, and I would say actually, fortunately, for the, for the most part of late, that, that hasn't happened too much. But I think a lot of that is because we're in this strange period now, where version two of Arda is sort of basically in maintenance mode only. Yeah, uh, and we're working on version three, which is the 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 one that has support for MIDI, um, and and because I go around and keep, and keep pointing out to people, it's not released yet, it's still alpha, it's still beta, you know, don't rely on it. We haven't hit that point where lots of people really feel comfortable stepping up and saying, you know, this sucks. Yeah. The, yep. the way in which you've done this is terrible. Um, I, I, I keep waiting, you know, to hear more of, of that kind of feedback about r 3 from people. Um it would make me feel more comfortable that maybe we've done it right. <laughs> so maybe uh, if there's any order three listeners out there, this is this is your call to uh, to step right. up your, your comment. Start, feeds. start complaining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we we did have one actually. I mean, th- th- this is also a, a good example, I guess. Of um, I, I'm not again. I'm not sure how different th- 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 this would be in a proprietary case, but. I was getting to the point with MediaNada 3 where it really did feel like, at least as an initial implementation, we we had basically done ever, done pretty much everything right. Um, and one of our users, uh, somebody who's been around the community for a while but was relatively new, stepped up and and, and described this workflow he was he was in. It, he couldn't get it to work properly.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, and initially, I mean, when I, when I listened to him, I just felt like, well, yeah, that, that's a weird, really weird workflow, and we're just not going to cater to that. But he sort of kept talking about it, and the more and more I listened, I realized this is not a weird workflow at all. This is actually what almost everyone will do. Right. And the, the reason why I hadn't run into it is you can see behind me on the, on the video camera here. There's mm-hmm. a couple of MIDI keyboards here. I have a, 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 a MIDI patch bay in the rack over here. I've got a bunch of MIDI equipment floating around. I have a pretty well set up MIDI uh, stage here. And the way I work to, to do MIDI recording and playback doesn't reflect what most people will be doing. Yep. And... You know, unless somebody had stepped up and pointed out, oh, I've got my one USB keyboard and I plug it into my laptop and I want to use it on a dozen tracks. How do I do that? That would be a point that would just have been missed totally. Now, you know, if that was in a proprietary company, I don't really know what the process for that might have been. In our case, it was just, you know, uh, a regular user showing up, trying out, uh, you know, one of the early alphas. Yeah being online actually actually, you know the two of us having a direct conversation I suggested some possible solutions he agreed they would work I implemented them he tried a new version said that looks pretty good but can we tweak this or tweak that um, and we've gone through a sort of uh, iterative process with that three or four times and now we're both fairly, fairly happy with how that works I, mean, that, um, I think the idea of, yeah, the idea of users feeling like they can really be involved in in situations like that, it doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, maybe this is a good point to to talk about Order Three. Can can you tell us what kind of things are coming up? What changes? I mean, obviously MIDI is a big thing, but
3: yeah, there's a very long list. If you let me just <laughs> pop open a window here. Um,
0: well, I guess the question is, what are you excited about in it? Yeah, maybe, I'm sure you're excited about everything, but what's your
3: uh, I am excited about, about everything. Obviously, ha- handling MIDI is, is the most important thing that we'll be doing. Uh, Arda2 has only had support for MIDI for things like timecode and transport control yeah. and stuff like that. Um, the new release is, is is turning it into a MIDI sequencer and recorder and editor. Um, so there's a lot of excitement about that. Our MIDI implementation differs in one extremely notable way from anything that we've seen in any of the other doors which is that we do all MIDI editing in the same window. So, so when you're working on a okay. MIDI track and you want to go in and start messing around with notes, you do, do not pop up pop up some separate piano roll editor. Everything is done in line in the same window.
0: Right.
2: So um, you would just make your tr- your MIDI track bigger to get a better view of it, but it's essentially the same thing. Sure. Okay. Yeah.
3: Or, I mean, you can select that track and then hit one key, and it'll blow up and fill the whole screen. Yep. And you can work work on it in that or the whole window anyway. Yeah. Um, that has some real positives to it. It also turns out that it, it, there are aspects of the workflow that it feel a little bit clunky too. Um, we're waiting to get lots more feedback from people to really, you know, to decide was was this a good choice? Yeah. Um, you know, is there a really strong reason why the other guys ha- haven't done things in this way, or you know, have we just stumbled across a better way to do it? Um, it mean the real downside is that you're switching modes a lot. If you're going back and forth between working on notes and working on regions, or events or whatever you want to call them, um, is a lot of switching modes. Uh, That's not so great, but the fact that it's all in one window, you're not popping up new dialogues or anything, is very nice. Um, However, although this MIDI stuff is coming in, a lot of people are not really aware of the fact that really the audio side of of 3 has been changed almost as much as the addition of MIDI. Um, We've done huge changes to the basic internal art, Architecture of the program, some of which just make it simpler for us to do cool things in the future. Right. Um, I mean, one of the big additions is is, is we now have a, the option of using a, a real monitor section. If you've used a you know reasonable size mixing console, you'll be reasonably familiar with the fact that there's this monitor section on the side, that's separate from the master bus. If yeah. you go look at most other doors, they really don't have this concept. They have master outs, mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. Uh, we now have master bus, but we also have an entire monitor section, which is especially geared to situations where you really do, where, where you have the equipment around and, and the need to do that. Um, and, and that was designed, you know, in a process similar to the one I described earlier, very much in a tight uh, iterative loop with a guy in the UK who works for uh, one of the largest mobile trucks companies over there to, that uh-huh. does live gigs and stuff like that uh so he's frequently in situations where he needs that type of of capability and knew exactly what it needed um we along with that you know we massively changed the whole of the solo uh, architecture uh you know two's model of what soloing is like is again based on a rather naive view of how that stuff should work i think we we now have a solo implementation that is probably almost as good as anything that you could get on the largest console that you could buy it's very sophisticated allows all kinds of things that i don't think that you you can do elsewhere um we chain let's see i'm just zipping through uh the highlighted list here um time chase uh time code chasing is much better uh we now have uh, media search pads, so you can have media sp- uh, on, on different discs and articles okay, f- yeah. which we couldn't do before. Um, we did add a new editing feature which people were asking for for a long time, where you've got, if you've got multiple regions uh, and you'd like to somehow merge them into a single region. And, and not ha- have them be distinct anymore. There's now uh, an editing, oper- editing operation that will do that for you, and and you can carry on editing that, and then actually on un- what's the operation called? Uh, I think it's called consolidate, and you can unconsolidate yeah. after done more editing on it as well. Um, and
0: presumably, you can kind of uh, submix or not submix. You you can render out a particular consolidated area.
3: Yes, that's always been possible. Yeah. Uh, w- what's different is is that this actually lets you create the the uh, object that that contains all, all of those regions and manipulate it as as though it's a unitary object. Yeah. Um we changed panning quite a bit. Uh the original panning implementation again was sort of born more of my ideas as a software engineer than as a than the ideas of an audio engineer. Um so we now have a a stereo panning implementation that is really is done in the way it should be. Um, we've also got a VBAP two dimensional panner now oh, okay. um which is more of interest to people that do um electro acoustic mm-hmm. stuff yeah well, um, we, do quite we still a lot don't of that, have yeah. really yeah, yeah we yeah. still don't have 5.1 7.1 all that kind of stuff um just, just looking at other submixing and bussing is also way is also way better it's now it's trivial to for example just select eight tracks and and just say submix them and it'll create a new bus route all of them to the uh just like to that, that bus and, and, and just set, and, and set that all, all up in the way that you might want them to. Uh, stacked re-stacked track mode, which I guess Cubase got a few releases ago, where if you've got uh, overlapping regions in time, you, you can just explode it vertically, and all yeah. the overlaps will vanish, and, 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 and you can see things very nice and clearly. Um, so there's a whole bunch of, of, of stuff like that. Um, I think really that the set of changes... And on the, on the audio side is much vaster than all, all the MIDI stuff, but the MIDI stuff is what people are really excited about
2: will um the MIDI input and handling will you be able to map that to the control of aspects of the software so when uh, the thing that got me thinking was when you one of the first things in that list was you were talking about the monitoring section, and yeah um, yeah, I, I kind of put the two together. it's like, would I be able to use MIDI to control the monitoring section and things like yes, that yes, you can um,
3: all we've done two things one is we've retained the existing midi control features of Ardor from version 2 which lets you do control middle click on basically any element in the gui and then just operate a knob or a yep. dial or something or a fader and it'll just bind that straight to it that that applies to all the controls in 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 the monitor section uh, seen that for them, the other yeah. thing that we've done now uh, yeah uh, when i recently started working on on that midi control system i really believed that that option is much better for users. Uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't create pre-assigned mappings from one thing to another. The people yep. can set things up any way that they want, blah blah blah. As the time has gone on, I, I'm not as convinced of that anymore. I'm not unconvinced of it, which is why we still have that. But mm-hmm. one thing that's coming in version three is the idea of predefined binding maps. We have about a I don't know probably eight or ten right now that that anyone can write their they're just standard text files with, with some XML in them. And so you can set up a predefined mapping from a particular controller to various things in order. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my gut feeling is, is is that for a lot of users, that's much more what they want than finding out, oh, this is really cool. I, I, can, buy an, buy, I can buy anything to anything. Yeah, They'd yeah. much rather say, oh, I'm using a, uh, I can't even remember the, the, the names of the ones that we support now, but I'm using one of, one of these control services, click, Bang. It,
0: the now it just logical, logical, just you can change it yeah, yeah. if
3: you want to, but it works. Yeah. yeah,
2: but
0: at the same time, it's nice to have the two options. It's nice, it's, you know. So, so other doors fail on the fact that they only give you the presets, and if you, you if you right. want to do something outside of that, well, tough. <laughs> so it's it's great to be able to to
2: have the option to go outside that. Now, um, changing the subject a little bit, we might have come at this the wrong way around actually, because we've been talking about the future, and one thing I wanted to ask you about was the um, the Harrison Mixbooks thing that came right. out around February. Was it? Or, um well that's i'm trying that's to think actually. when mixed bus first came out
3: it, i think it was longer ago than that but we can just say over the last year or so yeah
2: yeah so how how did that come about and um were you directly um, involved with that well
3: or? i started working with harrison um I'm trying to think how many years ago it was now probably four years ago um they had seen Ardor and were interested in, 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 in what it could do. Obviously, you know, they were able to read all the source code and satisfy themselves that it looked like, a, you know, a t- t- technically a good piece of work. Um, the initial project I worked on with it was a, pr- a project called the, the X-Dubber. Um, they had a bunch of customers out in Hollywood um, who were doing mostly uh, vocal post-production work on movies and stuff. And they were using a workflow that was very much based ar- around hard, hard disk recorders. Um, th- their workflows, I mean, the workflow of these people is a little strange that they sort of haven't grown up in the age of automation and they don't realize that you could actually do what they're doing by just automating everything. So instead, they make pass after pass after pass after pass yeah. to try to get all, all these vocals exactly right. And those, the machines that, that they're using generally are, are A, they're not made anymore, B, they're failing and see the spare parts are difficult so Harrison saw this opportunity to jump in and say you know we'll give you a machine that does this mm-hmm. um, you know we, we won't comment on your workflow H- here's what you need sure um, that involves some interesting changes to order we added non-destructive um, recording to, sorry we added we added destructive recording to it um, in a way that unfortunately tied in with, with Digi's second attempt at doing that. Their first attempt was a complete failure and just <laughs> laughed at by anybody who saw it. Um, just after we got ours working, they did a press release saying, oh, well, we've got our new version working as well. So that unfortunately took a little bit of the steam out of, of Xdubber. Right, um, yeah. But it it was an interesting project. Um, you know, Harrison themselves got much more f- familiar with the internals of order. They then came up with this new idea, which is, you know, what happens if, if we took SP and stuck that inside of Ardor, if we change the user interface, certainly for the mixer anyway, they didn't really change the editing mm-hmm. window, but the mixer, to be a lot more like a console, which means that there's a knob basically for for, for everything already on screen. There's no popping up plug-in dialogues or anything else. Um, and also wire up everything so it it's it's it's... Pre-wired in a way that's most likely to to be what you want, and the built-in processing is going to be probably what you want in order to get a fairly sweet-sounding mix yeah. for what you're likely to be working on. Um, it turned out to not be a huge amount of work to do those initial steps. Um, they were able to take advantage of the fact that it's open source, which means they could get very deep integration of their stuff in. I mean, if a company wanted to do this with one of the proprietary doors, you, yeah. you can't there's a limit to how much you how much you can do in a plugin, Mm -hmm. um so they they built that all in um you know we the 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 decision had already been made that that would be released as a separate product um we have an agreement that suits me very well which is you know mixbus could in theory cannibalize the whole outer market yeah or it could grow the pie and and either way uh it ends up working out for from from my perspective um and it's been It's been a very interesting process to see people's reaction to it. Uh, You know, there are a few people on the GearSlots forums, for example, who would just try to pick apart the marketing (laughs) slogans that Harrison used. Yeah, that's uh, always going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, it was just interesting to see the, the incredible vigor of those people <laughs> coming back. And, you know, But they said this word or something, and that word means something else. But, you know, in general, people seem to have liked it. The biggest surprise to me was that when we did the initial release for, uh, for OS X, um, that we had this big concern uh, about the fact it's still relied on Jack. And just to do the quick, you know, two-line yeah. summary of Jack, for those who don't know about it, Jack is an audio routing infrastructure that runs on Windows and Linux and OS X, um, and lets you plug in various pro- programs so they can share audio between each other and with your sound card. Um, and we were very worried initially that, you know, people aren't going to want to use this with Jack. They might be interested in Mixbus. They're not going to have to deal with Jack. When you yeah. fire up, up DP or you fire up, you know logic or something there's no separate program to do all your audio stuff but it turned out that actually that was one of the best decisions hmm. but because lots of people didn't want to use MixBus, at least initially as the door they wanted to take sessions that, that that they already had in logic and then run it through this thing Yep. right yeah and and they could just do that it just worked it was a little bit, I mean, doing it out of logic is fairly co- complicated just because of the way logic <laughs> But it, logic. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it is possible to do it, and it, it, it seemed to get a lot of people to try it out, who I think otherwise would have just said, I'm not trying another door." and instead they saw yeah. it as a slightly different kind of product. Yeah. I think that the name sort of suggested it was more like some post-processing unit or something. Um And although I think in general, I mean, trying to run two doors on one machine is probably asking for trouble. Yeah. Um, A lot of people had, you know, very positive uh, results in routing their sessions out of logic and into Mixbus and playing around with it. You know, Harrison had decades of experience with, you know, mixing consoles. They really do know how to build machines that work for mixing music. Um, So the product overall, I think, has been... I know. I mean, I'm I'm not privy to all all of the internal details of Harrison. My perspective is it's been a mixture. It's somewhere in between. It hasn't been a, a, a raising success. We don't dominate the whole of the door market now. But it also wasn't a failure. There is a user community that's had very positive yeah. reviews from people. Um, and it it expands the... Uh, the ecosystem of sort of auto technology in a way that I think is pretty productive.
0: Absolutely. As it's, it's long as it's having an impact somewhere and, you know, it, and yeah. it's, it's not a negative impact, then, then it's an important thing to do. And it seems to really have, I, I hear good things. Um, yeah. we, we have one quick question just to, uh, to, to take this to a close, and thank you very much okay. for, for talking to us. Um, is it outside, well, outside of Ardor, what's what's kind of, what's interesting and exciting for you at the moment? What, what stuff could you recommend to listeners or things they mightn't have seen? Oh. Or maybe, um, maybe even in the in the Linux audio world
3: or... I'm just trying to think back on, on things. Um, yeah, i put you on the spot I now. My head so, I had to have my head buried so far into uh, Ardor. Let's see, I saw <laughs> a video uh, the other day on... Um, a, a comp, not a well, I guess you could say competitor to something you, you, you cut up an overtone recently, right? Yeah, yeah, or maybe even months ago. Um, and I saw a video the other day of a new uh tool for that. I'm just trying to see if I can find its name, uh, that was quite exciting, if only because he was doing Steve Reich type music on it, and I happen to be a big fan of that. Yeah, uh, so that it come on, where is it? It's on the screen here somewhere, I think. Next window. Hold on just one second, and I'll give you a name for that. Uh, Even even gets called a free overtone in in the headline. Uh, (laughs) It it is overtone. What am I talking about? You guys cover it is overtone. Okay. That that looked like a really cool program. I I haven't had a chance to mess with it yet. Yeah, I mean, if if I had more time, I would be I I would be messing around with that. I just saw today that uh, Ableton have C sound for Live now. Oh wow. Uh, so um, running as a kind of plug-in in Max for Live, or...? Looks like they're doing it inside of Max. Yeah, yeah. so you, you have to have Max for Live, and yeah. then you get C-Sound for, for, for Live. I don't know exactly who, who this is catering to. Um, I would have thought <laughs> the who, 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 who would do C-Sound are doing C-Sound. Um, <laughs> but that seemed quite, uh, quite interesting. Um, I'll give a quick shout-out to uh, ThumbJam. Which uh-huh. has been around for a while now, but it, it's a it's a iOS app that was written by one of the original people that joined the Ardour project years ago, a guy called Jesse Chapel, um, and it's a little app that lets you basically do looping and playing live uh, playing samples on the pad or, oh, nice. or thing, and it has the interesting feature that when you're done setting up your nice little looping thing on it, then you can export the whole thing as an Ardour project. Yeah, and, and and move and move it over so. But I have to say, I, although I tend, although I tend to, to read lots of audio technology stuff, my head is so so deep <laughs> inside of Ardo that uh, it's not, you know, things don't stick. Uh, don't yeah. waste your time on, on DSP hardware, though, folks, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it, that, that's on the way out. It's, it, what, it's always, it always looks really good whenever you buy it. At any particular point in time, any particular piece of DSP technology looks awesome. It's great value for money. It does a load more stuff than you can do on a general purpose CPU. And six to 12 months from now, it won't look like that anymore. Yeah, yeah.
0: That they can't possibly keep up with the the market, the speed of CPUs in in laptops or main desktops.
1: Definitely, so I'm gonna jump in. I've, I've been dashing in and out doing various bits, but I'm going to jump in. And thank you very much, Paul, for your, uh, You're for, welcome. Your, for your time today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. I'm aware that we've been going for 40 minutes. This is a return to the long shows, which people will probably love. But, but then, then they're pressure us to make a long show every week, and that gets really tough. Us, <laughs> you it. don't do that. All right, it's a pleasure talk, talking to all of you. Oh yeah. It, it's Thanks a, very much for coming along. It's been an absolute pleasure. And obviously for all of our listeners, we definitely recommend you go and check out our door and compare it against just your, your stuff. And, um, we'd be really interested in your feedback, but I'm sure Paul and the guys would be interested via their feedback as well. Via in this site, isn't it? Yeah. Um, our door. Dot. I think, org. door. Yeah, or O-R-G. org. It will be in our show. A-L- it's in our show. Yep. So we definitely recommend Um, if you're comparing and contrasting against things, you could do that. And, uh, I've been quiet so as not to like take the mick out of other people's doors or other things that just like tend to. Be... <laughs> you guys were having a serious conversation; it was really interesting. So I didn't want to break that. Yeah, I, um...
0: you're a Daw, you loose cannon.
1: Yeah, I, I just have silly remarks. Um, yeah. Uh, so we we got a couple of other items. I think we should just because of the length of the show. I think we should just pull a couple of them out. Um, th- there's a new iRigs that you could plug into your iOS device for MIDI. Yep. There we go.
2: Therefore, thereby proving again, MIDI is. It's still, still re- relevant,
1: and we've been talking about it a lot today. It's, it's there. Definitely so. I, I don't think we have to say anything else other than that. About well, no, though
2: it exists, IK Multimedia is there.
1: Okay. That's cool. <laughs> um, uh, we, we should do two of these. Actually, we should talk about Dennis Ritchie, definitely. Let's just quickly mention Dennis Ritchie, because obviously Steve Jobs passed away, but Dennis Ritchie also passed away, and everybody, you know, the passing of Steve Jobs has definitely been noted by the, wide, you know, the wider press at large, whereas I think Dennis Ritchie, who was the originator of Unix and of C and did a lot of work on the compiler for that. And basically has established the computing industry fundamentals as we know them that we work with and enjoy and celebrate every day. And I didn't want this, you know, I didn't want it to pass by without us acknowledging that contribution because it's, we
2: we do a lot of programming
1: type talk. So it was an incredible contribution I thought. And, you know, basically every device we use is running and is running off, you know, some of that work that he did to establish that. And I think his, His life's not was been not you know it it has been mentioned but it hasn't been celebrated in the same way that Steve Jobs' contribution has been celebrated rightfully or wrongfully.
0: Doesn't Steve Jobs have a
1: a memorial day now? It's today. Today was like Steve Jobs' memorial day somewhere I think, or maybe it was yesterday. Maybe it was Sunday.
0: I don't know. I I think
1: maybe Mr. Ritchie deserves a a memorial day. Possibly so. Our final one, um, I, I, there's no possible way that I could miss uh, mentioning the Apple pushes away pros, though, because I just thought we've, we've mentioned and murmured about this a few times now. Um, maybe if you're, um, if you're still I there, Paul, you might have, a co- might have a comment on this as well. But essentially, the, the, the story is kind of mentioning, you know, uh, with the Final Cut change, the Final Cut Pro X, and the fact they ripped it apart and got rid of all the backwards compatibility and trashed the user interface and brought in a new one. And there's lots of suggestions about what the long term of logic will be in a similar way. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think I think it's an interesting story because I actually happen to agree with um, I happen to agree with it. Um, I I've kind of mentioned a few times that Apple hardware sh- served this show quite very well, and it served it served me very well for a lot of years. But I've, i I kind of mentioned that I expected to only buy one more Mac again because of this kind of trend. But to be honest, I've actually bought a you know a, a Linux box which I'm running. You know, running Linux on a laptop and finding that to be even more satisfactory. So I kind of agree with them. And I just wondered, does anybody think um we're called like this is a a false story and they're not pushing away the professional user base?
2: Well, as you say, lots of people mentioned it everywhere, and I've read through this story that you posted. The link is on wikitheaudio dot uk. Um but only just now when you were talking did I notice where this story has been published, the one that you've linked to, which is on pcpro.co.uk dot <laughs> Um so do, do I think this is a real story, or is this perhaps just, like, baby bit bias? I don't know. What is it?
3: <laughs> yeah, I would say, I mean, just this is Paul again just jumping in. I mean, yep. I haven't read any 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 updates on this in a while, but I, I read a bunch of stuff when Final Cut, what was it called, Final Cut Pro X or something came out. Yeah. Um, it did strike me as possibly slightly a bit of a non-story. The The, the impression I was getting from Apple was basically that they were working... They really did have a long-term pro-centric vision for the program. They, had, they just upset a lot of people by having a rather bad release schedule <laughs> in which they brought out a, a version that was brought out way too early, had way too many changes, and way too much backwards incompatibility. But it seemed to me that th- their responses to people's complaints were that it, it's going to be so great in the, in, in, in the future, you just wait and see. That was just one.
2: Yeah, no. Some ba- there you go. Yeah, there's actually some, some balance, kind of rationality into that conversation. I didn't expect that. Thanks, Paul. That's great. We need not more convinced. of this. I'm,
1: I'm not convinced. I'm still not. I'm sorry. It's just I don't. Yeah. I don't buy it. I'm, I'm not convinced. I think there's too much. I, I think the company focuses away from the professional stuff, and I, I I think it's understandable. They've got a mass, a lot more people are now kind of consumer home users than professional users in the way maybe you know, 10 years ago that definitely would have been a focus for the business and I I have my, my nervousness about it. So on, on, on balance myself though, it's fair to say that having used the previous version of Final Cut Pro, I remember it was like the worst interface of all time for anything and it took it took me. I remember like I said to somebody I'm going to do it and I remember seeing it very briefly and thinking oh it kind of like kind of a door feel you know multiple streams of video you mix between them that's all good and then it was like a week and a half later I finally managed to cut together my first like three minute thing in a way that I was moderately happy with it so I don't think what they had was what was there was great beforehand to be honest but I don't know
0: but the point is people have made a workflow out of it and professionals have got used to that workflow and so changes to that disruptive or unhappy making yeah
1: i guess this is to return to just to return briefly and then to sign off the show but i guess this is a classic example of where the the open where an open source development model really serves you and a great reason why committing to open source software rather than proprietary software can really serve as well because obviously if an open source project was to take a similar step and diverge you know have that point happen then there's no reason at all why somebody couldn't fork their own user interface on top of that level or just commit themselves to maintaining the older user interface as long as they want to use it and just keep doing that, which is obviously an option with an open source project, whereas with a proprietary sort of project, it's here's the new release, like it or lump it, is essentially the, the, yeah, rescue. sure. I don't know. I was trying to bring it back to some relevance. Well, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> or, or if
2: we take that as a, like the question is that if he, if Apple are pushing away the professionals, where are they pushing them to? Where are they going to go? should we leave that order hey <laughs> excellent
3: we will have video tracks in
1: 3.1 video tracks
0: in 3.1 there we go
1: there you yep. go you heard it here first <laughs> <laughs> well yeah okay that's great i, I think i think we should start sign off the show we've been we've run we've run we, nice and long which would be cool for those people who are on longer journeys yep as opposed to those people who are on shorter journeys and when you get there have to listen to something else i don't know <sighs> I don't know. I'm digging You're a hole. Digging a hole there. A hole. Thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you very much for inviting me on,
3: guys.
0: Cool. Pleasure. Um, okay, I've bye. been no. uh, Scott Goodbye.
1: Goodbye. I've been Scott <laughs> I've been Scott McLaughlin. I'm Sam Freeman. And this was this week's The Audio Podcast. Hooray! Hooray!